Hello, this is Don Morin from the Pacific Northwest Mouse Meet. You are listening to Stories of the Magic. Welcome to Stories of the Magic, an unofficial Disney podcast with your host, Randy Crane. Hear stories from Disney cast members, Imagineers, artists, and more right here on Stories of the Magic. And now, here's your host, Randy Crane. Welcome to episode 91 of Stories of the Magic. I'm Randy, your host. Thank you for joining me. This episode happens to mark the three-year anniversary of the show, so I'd like to say a very special thank you to all my guests over the past three years, and to you listeners, whether this is your first or 91st episode to listen to, or anywhere in between. It is all because of you that I get to do this, and I'm grateful for that. Today also happens to be the 60th anniversary of the grand opening of Disneyland. Technically, it's the 60th anniversary of the press event, and it opened to the public the next day. But this is the day Disney wants to mark, so we'll go with it. Happy 60th anniversary, Disneyland! In this episode, we begin a two-part interview with 2014-2015 Run Disney Specialist on the Disney Parks Moms panel, Faith Doherty. We'd been working on getting this set up for a few months, so I'm glad to finally be able to bring it to you. Before we begin, just a quick reminder about my request for your help to get to the D23 Expo this year so I can cover it for Stories of the Magic. I won't go into the details. Check out the show notes for the previous two episodes if you want to know more. For now, suffice it to say that I am going. I trust you, the listeners, to support me in this, so I went ahead and got my tickets. I still need about $80. If you can help at all, please PayPal me whatever you're willing and able to support me with using podcast at storiesofthemagic.com as the receiving address. If just 16 people contribute $5, we're there. Can you do $5? For everyone who contributes, I will publicly thank you on the show, unless you'd prefer that I didn't. And if you have something special you'd like to see coverage of, I will do my best to fulfill your request. Now, in this episode, Faith talks about where her love for Disney began, a funny story about her first visit to Walt Disney World, how her love for Disney grew from where it began to where it is today, a special memory of her first trip to Walt Disney World with her kids, the expansion of her Disney love beyond just the parks, what she loves most about it, when and how she became a runner, her first run Disney race weekend, some pre-race tips, her usual corral, and her personal record for races, her process of joining the Disney Parks Moms panel, how she found out she was accepted onto the panel, and a little tease for what it's like being a Moms panelist. Now a brief word from a fellow podcaster and friend, and then it's time to turn the page and begin this story. Have you ever experienced uncontrollable bouts of geekdom? If so, the Anomaly podcast may be right for you. In clinical studies, Anomaly's interviews, convention reports, commentary on geek culture, games, sci-fi and fantasy television, literature, and film provided a feeling of fullness while promoting health for optimal geekiness. The Anomaly podcast is not suitable for all people. Only geekily active cool chicks with a healthy sense of humor should listen. Geekily active cool guys should listen, too. 
anomaly has resulted in sudden fits of squee. Broad smiles may appear without warning and could become permanent. The most common side effects of anomaly are unconsciously joining in the Gamma Quadrant golf clap, out loud, at work, to the amusement of co-workers, and attempting to interject opinions aloud to hosts who can't hear the listener. But in all cases, the benefits outweigh the risks. Ask your anomaly if you're healthy enough for entertainment of this caliber. You don't need a doctor's messy handwriting to obtain a free subscription. Anomaly is available over-the-counter at Stitcher Radio and in the iTunes, Zune, and BlackBerry stores. You can also stream episodes of Anomaly and Anomaly Supplemental at AnomalyPodcast.com. That's A-N-O-M-A-L-Y Podcast.com. Just one one-hour episode provides 24 hours of relief and never leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Music by JewelBeat.com And now, this week's interview on Stories of the Magic. If you've been listening to Stories of the Magic for a while, you know that a couple of years ago I started running just because I wanted to start participating in Disney races. Almost three years later, I've got a ton of photos, more than a dozen medals, and some great experiences, and I'm signed up for the next three Disneyland race weekends. For me, there's been an even better benefit than these, though. It's given me the chance to meet great like-minded people, and in some cases meet online friends in person. My guest today is one of those people, and I'm so thrilled to bring her and her stories to you. Faith Doherty is a wife, mom, runner, and a nationally certified fitness instructor. She's also a huge Disney fan and has integrated all of those parts of her life through Run Disney. In 2014, well, technically I think it was late 2013, but we'll talk about that, she joined the Disney Parks Moms panel as the Run Disney Specialist, which has allowed her to expand her opportunities to share her love of Disney and her knowledge and experience with people around the world. On a personal note, Faith is a great friend and has been very supportive of me as I wrote and released my book, Faith and the Magic Kingdom, in 2013. I've met her twice in person, both times in connection with Disneyland Run Disney events, and those meetings are among the highlights of those race weekends. Listeners, you are in for a treat as I bring my friend to you. Faith, welcome to Stories of the Magic. Thank you, Randy. I'm so excited to be here today and to speak with you and your listeners about Disney parks and Run Disney Magic. What could be better, right? I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start with your love for Disney itself. When did your love for Disney begin? Uh, I probably would say it was about five years old. Uh, It was on my first visit to Disneyland. I'm actually from the West Coast, so all those early childhood experiences with Disney parks were with Disneyland. And, of course, at five, you don't remember much from that experience, Um, but I do have an indelible memory of it being night, being on the monorail, and looking down and seeing Alice in Wonderland sitting on a giant lit up mushroom and that just has stuck in my memory forever and then of course you know Sleeping Beauty Castle is always that iconic image for me in believing in magic and that fairy tales and dreams could come true and that's something that I've always held with me and so from 5 to 12 I would ran around Disneyland like I owned the place (laughs) well I've got to tell you since you're originally from out here on the west coast you've shaken your west coast accent very well Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully I don't sound like I'm from anywhere now. Oh, of course. Not. I'm a You're... woman of the world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, so 
5 to 12, Disneyland was your place. Uh, then you moved, and then I assume you started going to Walt Disney World at some point? Well, I did visit Walt Disney World for the first time uh, when I was 17. I was there as an ambassador for the Universal Cheerleaders Association um, with my high school cheerleading squad as participants in the Florida Citrus Bowl. And part of our package was uh, a day at the Magic Kingdom. And here's a funny story about that. When I first saw Cinderella Castle at 17 for the first time, I balked at it <laughs> because to me, Sleeping Beauty Castle was huge and larger than life and, and just grand in my mind. And I thought Cinderella Castle was smaller. And of course, now as an adult, I'm able to make a, you know, a more accurate comparison between the two. Um, but I laugh at the thought now of, of thinking Cinderella Castle was nothing compared to Sleeping Beauty Castle. And, you know, of course, <laughs> we know Cinderella Castle is the much larger, more grand of the two castles. But that's just how those memories can be instilled at a very young age when you're visiting the parks. Yeah, that's funny. I think you are the first person I've ever heard that has thought at any point in their life that uh, Cinderella Castle was smaller. I that's did. Really I did. When I was a child, it was larger than life to me, and I, I laughed at Cinderella Castle. <laughs> <laughs> so funny now, but, you know, the perspective of a child, what can you say? Right, right. Well, obviously your love for Disney has grown over yes. the years. Yes. So, how did it grow from that beginning at Disneyland and then into Walt Disney World a bit to where it is today? Well, you know, having children of my own really reignited my love and passion. Of course, I've always been a kid at heart. And when you visit Disney parks as a child, you're living it as a child. And then when you go back as an adult, and, and you know, and some people even through adulthood prior to having children, you know, kept that passion and, and love for the theme parks alive. But I, between 17 and, you know, 30 college came and life came and jobs came and um, then children came and our first visit back uh, was in 2007, early 2007. I had a almost two year old and a almost one year old and for some reason, I was just determined that it was time for them to start having those experiences because it was such a huge part of my life growing up and such a center of believing, again, that dreams could come true and believing in magic. Uh, so we went for a long weekend, and it was my husband. My husband had never been. He was born and raised in South Carolina and had never actually stepped out of the state until I came along. Uh, but we went as a family, and it just reignited my love and passion. To see it now through my children's eyes, it just is a whole new world for me when we do visit there, and it's probably the reason why I'm so passionate about it again. I imagine so. I've always heard that when you go again with children, it really is in a lot of ways like going for the first time and seeing it through their eyes. Correct. Their yes. experiences. So I'll get that myself in a few months. Not quite yet, but in a few months. Yeah, you got a little time. <laughs> right. Enjoy her while she's free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you remember of that first trip with your kids? Are there any particular memories that stand out from that? Uh, actually, there is. I remember it was a Saturday, and we had um, visited 
for that evening. We left, gone back to the room, which is always highly recommended when you're traveling with littles to the parks. And after dinner, we went back in, um, saw Spectral Magic, which was the nighttime parade spectacular at the time. And we had um, my mom with us, and she went back to our resort with my youngest daughter, who at the time was not yet one. And we stayed in the Magic Kingdom with my oldest child, who was not yet two, uh, but he made it. We were there for extra magic hours, and he made it to midnight, and we must have rode Dumbo twice in a row, and just to see him look around, uh, and we were walking down Main Street, and at the beginning of Main Street, he was wide-eyed and bushy-tailed, taken in the lights, taken in the atmosphere, and by the time we got to the train station, he was out on my husband's shoulder, just dead asleep, and to look over and to be surrounded in a place that now had a, a special place in my heart with my child asleep on my husband's shoulder, just really, it was peace, it was magic, it was love, all wrapped into one, and I'll never forget that image. Oh, that is such a special image. I, I can picture that, and that's just amazing, yeah. And I was very proud. <laughs> My almost two-year-old had made it to midnight during extra magic hours at the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty impressive. So, I know a lot of adults that can't do uh -huh. that. And that was probably the moment that Disney Magic came alive for my son. And uh, that's special to me, too, because now we have kind of that bond that we can share. Do your kids love uh, the parks as much as you do? They do. They do. <laughs> And that's Good fun. Enough. Yes. <laughs> I did my part. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Uh, so is your love of Disney mostly of the parks or some people are, you know, just parks people. Some are just animated movie people and that kind of thing. So is yours mainly the parks or does it kind of expand into other areas too? Uh, it definitely expands into other areas aside from Disney visiting the Disney parks. We love Disney Cruise Line. We're Disney Vacation Club members. Run Disney is a whole different type of way to vacation at um, a Disney park. We love the animated films. Uh, we love the products. It's really expanded beyond just Disney parks and into the Disney brand itself. Now, what do you love most about Disney? You know, what Disney offers or what is it about Disney that you love the most? Uh, probably the fact that it allows you to believe that there is still magic in the world and that there's a place you can go, whether you want to visit tomorrow or you want to visit the past or you want to visit a time and place that's full of, of fantasy. It allows you to feel like a kid at heart and believe that there is still magic out there. And who doesn't want to believe in magic? Right. Right. And who doesn't need to believe in that? Exactly. Exactly. And it offers an escape that you can't get at any other vacation destination. Yeah. Even at Disneyland where it's you're not surrounded constantly on Disney property the whole time you're there, that escape is still there. It is. Yeah. Now, you're obviously a big Run Disney fan. We've mentioned it a couple of times. But before we talk about Run Disney, I want to talk about running in okay. general. Uh, how did you become a runner? Or have you always been one? You mentioned being a cheerleader in high school. Where yes. did running come into this? Uh, well, in hindsight, I recognize that I've been a runner longer than I give myself credit for. Uh, 
But that's because at the time, you know, say, say back in my cheer days when running was part of our conditioning, well, I mean, we had to run the track, but I never considered myself a runner because at that time I didn't like it because I didn't understand it. I didn't have someone coaching me, you know, they just sent us off and told us we had to complete, you know, X amount of laps, four laps around a track is a mile. So we usually went between eight and 10 prior to practice just for conditioning. So we're running as hard as we can, as fast as we can, and then we get gassed and then we hate it and then we can't breathe. So we didn't understand proper running form. There was no talk back then in the early nineties of being able to run walk. So you never considered yourself a runner. And when you can't see yourself fulfilling a preconceived notion of, of what a role is as a runner, then you don't consider yourself that. So now in hindsight, I can look back and say, no, I was totally a runner. We, I made it. I was doing it. I just didn't like it at the time. I understand it at the time. And then, of course, because of those experiences, I didn't like it. So it's not something that I kept up with going forward. And that's where I found a group fitness classes. There was music. There was people. There was movement. Um, there was constant involvement and engagement and modifications were offered and suggested if you couldn't do or complete a movement in a specific way as the instructor did it. And so then I really found a love for group fitness and thus became the fitness instructor and continued on that path for a while. Um, but then got antsy and thought there was surely had to be another goal that I could achieve. And the story behind finding my my running groove and run Disney is I was sitting at a stoplight after teaching a kickboxing class and I thought you know I need a new challenge there's got to be something out there that I can do and I I just had an epiphany that I should run a half marathon (laughs) and I then said and it needs to be the Disney princess half marathon and I have no idea how I even knew at that time that that particular race existed Of course, um, back then it was just the Disney Endurance Series. Um, It hadn't been marketed as Run Disney. So I knew about the marathon, and I was familiar with um, the Expedition Everest Challenge, which hadn't been around but maybe a year or two at that point. So I don't even know how I knew there was a Disney Princess Half Marathon. So somehow that had to have been fed into my subconscious through my Disney connections and, um, you know, social media outlets and such. So I got home and I immediately looked it up. At that time, the race was early March uh, and registration was to open in July, just like it does now. And this was the end of May. So the timing was, you know, serendipitous with getting all this started and my husband came home and I told him I wanted to do that and I was going to do it with my sister and did the family want to come along or was I going to go alone? (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) you know, that started it. And, uh, I picked up running again. And what's funny is after having my third child, I started, you know, kind of walk running just to try to get back in shape before I could pick up my group fitness classes again. And the first organized race that I participated in was a fun run for a fundraiser for a uh, Christian-based sports program called Victory Sports that I actually coordinated and and headed up, <laughs> and it was my first organized race. 
<laughs> so talk about jumping in head first. Yeah. Uh, and then we ended up registering the whole family for the 5K and then myself for the half marathon. So my first run Disney race experience and my second organized race experience, um, I did back-to-back races, did the 5K with the family and then turned around and did the half marathon with my sister. Wow. Same day or two consecutive days? No, no, they were uh, – back then it was only the 5K and the half that was offered, and they were Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Gotcha. So I don't shy away from a challenge, clearly, running my first half marathon. Let's run the 5K before I have to. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, why make it too easy? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so as you were getting back into running, and I totally relate to the running in high school thing and, and how that was. Uh, I don't remember if I've actually mentioned this particular – uh, part of my experience on the show or not, but back when I was in high school, I had to run the mile because I wasn't in, I was in band. I wasn't in one of the organized sports. So <laughs> we just mainly had, I mean, you know, you put on a bass drum and march around a field for a couple hours. And I challenge a football player, baseball player, something like that to do that. Uh-huh. So it, it was still a sport. But Yes. Oh, hey, I'm right there with you. Especially yeah. if you're a marching band. And that was me. Uh, all four years of high school was marching band. Uh, but we did still have to do the presidential physical fitness thing. Uh, and part of that was running the mile. Mm-hmm. And I remember that a 12-minute mile was an A and a 20-minute mile was an F. And I got an F every single time I did it. <laughs> but I never got any instruction like you right, were Right, exactly. Wow. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I, you know, it's miserable. And it hurts, and you don't do very well, and then you don't know how you can do better or if you can do better, and it was just awful. Mm-hmm. So I didn't run from there until I started training for the Disney races. But I, I understand the feeling of doing that in high school and how frustrating and difficult that is. Um, so I'm glad you found these other avenues, and then, like me, that Disney is what brought you into running regularly correct uh, a little later on so tell me about that first race weekend your first run disney race weekend well first of all i didn't know what to expect so my biggest regret is uh the morning of the half marathon my sister and i we drove in uh we back then there were only select resorts that served as host hotels for the princess now Every resort on property offers race transportation, um, but my first race, it did not. And we were staying on our Disney Vacation Club membership at Bay Lake Tower, so there was no transportation um, to the start zone area. So we drove in, and I remember getting there, and we parked, and we sat in the car. And uh, you'll laugh, but we were, you know, wearing tutus and tiaras, so we needed lipstick. So we had some coffee, sat in the car to eat a banana, got our lipstick on and, and uh, spruced our tutus and hung out in the parking lot way longer than we should have because once we arrived to the start zone area, there was red carpet and these huge pink and blue flags and a DJ playing music and they're dancing and there was photo pre-race photo opportunities and you know we sat in the car and got there and had maybe five minutes before they started suggesting you herd toward your corral and so we missed all that pre-race excitement and that's the one thing that I do make sure I tell guests now is to to not miss that to, to get into the start zone area, bring an air mattress if you want something to sit down on and then just toss it. 
before you head to your corral, but enjoy the excitement and the atmosphere that's happening um, prior to the races. And then I was not expecting the 20 minute shoulder to shoulder walk from the start zone area to the corrals <laughs> uh-huh. because we took our time and we had no idea. Uh, and now it, I was head to the corrals as soon as they say, you know, start walking that way. But I, did, right, I didn't you know that. Right. So that's one thing that I do like to stress to our guests is enjoy the pre-race excitement that's at the start zone area and head to your corral with plenty of time because you'll be shoulder to shoulder with 25,000 other princesses and you're going to wonder where you're going because it's in the dark and through some woods and on grass on dirt (laughs) then there's signs telling you go this way go that way and when you don't know that um you know blind ambition is a good thing but preparation is key and being able to have a head start and to know that that's coming prior to your first race i think will help a guest to kind of quell their their nervousness to know that so that's the one regret i have for my very first race is is that we just sat in the car not knowing all the fun that was going on out there Mm-hmm. so obviously you get out there a lot earlier now how do you stay warm while you're waiting uh well i see people and this is one thing as having a background in fitness that i can say with confidence is I see people warming up way too early. You know, we'll still be 45 minutes from race time and I'll see them doing their warm up and then they stop and they don't, they're cold again by the time we actually start running. Uh, so basically about five minutes, you really only need about a five minute warm up. about five minutes prior to uh, start time. I like to do some calf raises because at this point, everybody has pushed forward into their corral. So once again, you're shoulder to shoulder with your new best running friends. So I like to do calf raises and shoulder rolls forward and backward, um, just kind of staying in my space and trying to go vertical as much as I can. Now, if you stay toward the back of the crowd, it does offer more opportunity for you to kind of get in some high knees uh, and lift them to your chest and kind of stretch a little bit. But if you like to be to the front of the corral, calf raises, shoulder rolls, forward, backward, neck rolls, um, ear to shoulders works and, and looking side to side, gets you warm enough. And then the slow, more slowly you start, of course, that is basically my running warm up before I start really trying to put on some wheels. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume you're usually in one of the front corrals. <laughs> well, <laughs> um, I worked my way up. <laughs> okay. So, you know, wherever they place me, I earned it. Whether it's corral A or corral D, uh, I earned wherever I am. Uh, a couple of years ago, I, I can't say I was an A until they started a corral restructuring. Back with the Wine and Dine, I want to say 2013, they started a crowd restructuring because there was such uh, crowding on the course. There was 2,500 people per corral um, from the beginning until, again, 2013, I I believe, was when they restructured the crowd. And now it's down to like 1,000. And as they go further back, they they get fuller, 1,500 and and 2,000 in the further crowds. But they're trying to alleviate some of that crowding on the course. So now it could be B or um, it could be D for the marathon. The first marathon weekend, I first two marathon weekends I participated in, I was in B because 
there was no way I was ever going to be an A for marathon weekend. Um, but with the restructuring <laughs> now it's, it's been like D and I believe, um, for dopey, I was in G, but they also go back to now to like P. <laughs> Right. So I guess that's still decent placement, but you know, I'm still working to now work my way back up. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is your average pace or kind of your target race pace for a half? Um, well, right now my, um, PR of personal record is a two Oh four for a half marathon. Wow. Uh, which is like a nine twenty seven. I believe okay. if I'm doing my math correctly, but uh, it's a 204 was the time and that's for Disneyland. Now my PR for the Walt Disney world courses, which the morning races. So Walt Disney world half marathon and the Disney princess half marathon. That's a pretty tough course. The last five K um, there's quite a few substantial inclines and Hills considerably when you come off of world drive and have to um, loop back up to Epcot center drive. Uh, that's quite a, a hill there, and there's usually someone, I don't want to give away anybody's secret or, you know, any secrets to anyone who hasn't completed the course yet, but there's someone there to help motivate you up the hill, but still, that, that course is pretty challenging, that back 5K, so 209 is the fastest I've ever run a morning race at Walt Disney World, and then I have a 27-minute 5K, and then my 10Ks are a little bit slower because they're always part of a race challenge. <laughs> I've never just right. run a 10K to see how fast I can run it. <laughs> it's always part of a dopey challenge or a Dumbo challenge or a glass slipper challenge. <laughs> You've just got to package those 10Ks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I was curious. Like I said, I started out with sub 20 or you know above 20 but, minute mm-hmm. pace. And so now I'm at around well, for the half marathon, I'm probably around uh, maybe a 13-minute pace, uh, 12 and a half, somewhere around there. That's awesome. You've almost cut your time in half. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, and so, and I, when I hear people talk about running, and they're like, oh, well, I, I can't run very fast, so I shouldn't bother. Like, well, there's people out there who are doing five-minute miles for the, the entire half marathon or marathon and then there's people like you that are in the nines mm-hmm. somewhere. And then there's people like me that are in the twelves or thirteens. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people who are in the you know fifteen, sixteen range, which is the the cutoff for the pacing requirement. Like, as long as you can do something that's within that pacing requirement, you can do it. So get out there and give it a try. Hey, Randy, when we get to the finish line, we all get the same medal. There's no medal that says your time was two hours, or your time was three hours. So a mile is a mile, whether it's a six-minute mile or an 18-minute mile, you're still out there getting it done. And that's why I'm so passionate now that I understand the sport of running and making sure everyone understands that they can do it. And it's such a personal sport. It doesn't have to look like the runner next to you. It doesn't have to look like the runner in front of you or the runner behind you. It's what works for you. And I can't stress enough the importance of run walking. My times are better. That 204 half marathon time, I actually had a 204 uh, since 2012 and was not able to beat it. So it expired. And so then I was on to my next personal best, which is 205, which was a race done here um, near Charlotte, North Carolina. And so I ran marathon weekend. 
I did the 10K and then the Goofy, which was 45.5 miles. Turned around, went to California, and did the Rebel Challenge, which was another 19.3 miles. And my fastest race after that long week was the uh, Star Wars Half Marathon, which I did in 204. And I did it on a four-minute run and a 45-second walk. And just it chips away time as you go and as you go and was able to at least – uh, get back to 204, 204.59, if I was <laughs> I just had to be dramatic, you know, <laughs> with a 59. <laughs> right, right. So, but there's other people that maybe running for one minute and walking for one minute works for them, and their times end up being just as good or if not better than if they would have tried to run the whole thing straight. And that's what I want people to understand the most is – it's not about running 13.1 or 6.2 with 3.1 nonstop, but about finding a way to get your fastest time and to find the best runner in you. And if that means taking those strategic walk breaks, then that's awesome. And not only that, but when you get to the end of the race, you're not gassed. You've stayed injury-free, and now you have plenty of energy left to be able to go play in a theme park. Right, exactly. Yeah, I do a 90-second run, 30-second walk. Yeah. That seems to work out pretty well for me. Mm-hmm. That's My husband and I actually ran a 10K this morning, and he's trying to build his base back up. He hasn't run since Disneyland um, last year, so now he's training for Disneyland again and training for the marathon and is trying to build his endurance base. So we went out there. He was at five miles, and he needed to at least get to that 10K and then build on from there. So we went out together, and I paced him, and we did 90 second and 30 second, and that seemed to work well for him. He's a soccer player, so kind of running fast and then pulling it back and then running fast and pulling it back worked for his endurance base and body type. And we, you know, we ended up doing well. We ran a 10 minute and 17 second pace and it was 80 degrees and 83% humidity. Oh, wow. So that, that's a, that's an excellent little interval there. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And I, you know, I always tell people who, you know, say that their pace is too slow or they are upset that they have to walk or something, you know, just being out there, you're lapping all those people who are still sitting on the couch. Exactly. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> now, you've had this run Disney race experience, and obviously you went on from that first Princess Weekend from there. And then since then, you've become a member of the Disney Moms Panel, specifically the Run Disney Specialist, of course. I mean, if you're going to be on the Moms Panel, what else are you going to be the specialist for, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what can you tell me about that process of joining the Moms Panel? Uh, well, the Disney Parks Moms Panel, um, for your listeners that aren't familiar with the program, is an online forum made up of moms and dads from all walks of life all over the country who have a shared passion um, for the Disney brand and Disney vacation products, whether it be Disneyland, Disney Cruise Line, Walt Disney World, etc., um, that have been hand-selected by uh, the leadership team from uh, corporate and we then answer guest questions online uh, about things that you're not going to find on uh, a mass website. You know, my, my kid only likes mac and cheese. Where can I make sure I can get him what they call yellow foods, the mac and cheese, chicken nuggets? Or I need soy milk. Does the uh, 
services at the X resort offer soy milk, you know, things like that that you're not necessarily going to find, but that we may have experience from our own uh, Disney Parks vacations that we can answer those questions. And the process of selecting the panel usually begins in September, shortly after Labor Day weekend, and there are a series of rounds that guests will complete on the journey to joining the Moms panel. Round one usually consists of answering a series of essay questions. Uh, we are an online forum and communicate uh, by writing, so this offers an opportunity for them to um, check your writing skills, grammar, all those uh, things that are necessary in uh, accurate writing. And then, of course, they're checking for product knowledge uh, based on the question that they may have asked you and passion. And if you're able to paint a picture for the guest um, based on the essay question that was asked, but we usually, you know, there's a limited number of uh, words or characters that you are able to answer this question in. So it's about just piecing your answer together in a way that conveys a message and paints a picture and offers a, some sprinkling of pixie dust uh, within that answer. So you send that off and there's quite a bit of a, um, wait why they sort through those initial applications. And you are then notified if you have advanced to the next round. So then round two comes along, and if you are one of the lucky ones to be selected to continue on the journey, uh, the next application, again, a series of essay questions. And then um, for the past several years, they've wanted to um, see you on video. So you've had to accompany your application with a usually about a 60-second video uh, based on a question that they give you that they want answered in the video. So they may say, tell us about your favorite Disney Parks experience, or they may say, tell us uh, about your perfect day at the Magic Kingdom, you know, whatever their theme for your video may be. And you have 60 seconds to convey your personality, to sprinkle in some magic, and to just be yourself. And then you send that application off. There's a, there's a wait again why they sort through those applications and select their finalists. You're then notified if you've been uh, selected as a finalist, and that consists of a phone interview with a uh, selection committee. They want to get to know you, and um, very similar to what we're discussing, tell us about your Disney experience. Tell us what makes it magical. Tell us how you vacation with your family and your family dynamic. It's usually about a, a 15 to 20 minute phone call. And then you wait one more time before you're <laughs> notified if you have been selected to join the panel or not. That is a lot of uh, you know, doing and waiting and doing and waiting and doing and waiting. And I, I, they've got so many things to sort through. And I actually applied last year for the first time just for fun, actually, at your suggestion. I know. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> what can it hurt? Sure, why not? And the, the I don't remember if it was a word count or a character count in answering that essay question in the first round. It's so hard to give a good answer that's got all those characteristics that you described that fits within that limited count and with the spelling and grammar and punctuation and everything all correct. Because I've heard, and I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I would think it would be a great screening tool is 
that when they go through them, one of the first things they're looking for is spelling, grammar, and punctuation. And if there are any mistakes in those, you're just automatically excluded because everything you do practically as a member of the Moms panel is writing. Correct. And so you have to do it well. Yes, correct. And I'm not privy to the magic that happens behind the scenes to know exactly mm-hmm. what their criteria is. Um, but you're correct that it, we're writing forums, so you do need to uh, convey your answers accurately with spelling, grammar, and punctuation. Right. I'm out of curiosity. Is your video up somewhere? Like, do you share, or do you just email it directly, or you uh, upload it to the application? Okay. It has to I be in a certain format. I was Oh, no, like publicly that anyone could <laughs> yes. go and see. No, I haven't <laughs> I haven't been brave enough, you know. I don't want to um it leaves so much opportunity for comparison with other uh-huh. guests that are vying for the spot that uh, I wouldn't want anyone to uh get in the mode of wanting to compare what they did to what I did or to, you know what I said to what they said. So, I've been um relatively private in in sharing my uh, videos and my answers to my application and through the process, you know, I tried for six years before I made it. So this is clearly something that I just knew I was meant to do in some form or fashion. Uh, so I've actually have had to do three videos along the way in my journey <laughs> to the mom's panel. Well, yeah, I was going to ask about that. So six times you tried before you I got on. I did. I did. And you know, I made, um, a rookie mistake two years in a row, and that's you can't copy and paste your answers in. <laughs> and I think that probably um, has been a mistake that a majority or at least a lot of guests have made in their attempts to submit their applications. You know, I wrote my answer out, and then I copied and pasted it into the little uh, – answer fields that are in the application and that's that's a rookie mistake a huge no-no so for all your guests that may be interested in applying next fall don't copy and paste <laughs> okay you know why it- oh you know i have no idea it maybe it comes in all you know funky on the um the other end but don't copy and paste your answers in gotcha type it directly you gotta type in. yes you need to type your answer directly into the answer field on the application Okay. So there was two. There were two attempts right there out the window. Yes, I didn't even pay attention right. to their directions. Right. And then I took one year off. I had a newborn, and just I wasn't willing to wean her to be able to attend the um, training that is required for new panelists to attend in December. And at the time, she was only six months old. So I knew that if by some chance that would have been my year, I wouldn't have been able to attend the training. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't even apply that year. And then after that, you know, I went, I, once I got it right, <laughs> I went forward each year until eventually making the panel with making semifinals and then making the finals and unfortunately getting that devastating call that it wasn't my turn and then not giving up and, and trying again and, not taking no for an answer. Eventually, I had to say yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to imagine the farther you get into the process, the more painful the I'm sorry, not this year response has got to be. Yes. But then when you get the yes, it's even that much more exciting. Absolutely. It's overwhelming. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that in just a second because I remember seeing those pictures. <laughs> I remember when I applied last year and 
like I say, it was just completely on a whim after you and I had talked at the Disneyland Half Marathon weekend, and I figured, okay, you know, we're expecting our first child, but I'm not even actually, you know, a parent that's taken a child to the parks or anything like that yet, but why not? I'll go ahead and apply. I know I'm not going to get it. And for a couple of reasons, even if I did get it, I wasn't going to be able to accept last year. And still, when I found out that the emails were going out to tell people if they got on to the next round, I was so nervous. Yes, yeah. There's no reason for this. I know <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't get in, but I was so nervous. So I can't imagine being at the third round. Well, this it's Disney, so there's you know automatically an, an emotional investment that takes place when you're vying for a spot in a coveted position on the mom's channel. So there's it doesn't matter how you go into it, you know keeping it in perspective or putting all your hopes on the line, you end up invested. And especially the past few years, there's been such a social media buzz with it and a lot more social media interaction as the process has gone along that I really think it added to uh, the investment that people were making in, in hopes to getting that position. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely right. So can you tell me about when you actually found out that you had been accepted to the panel? Well, you know, there's a story behind that, too, because they had through Twitter. Uh, so for your guests, again, that hope to apply, I highly recommend following the hashtag, hashtag DisneyMP, uh, because that's where the buzz will, will be once the application process begins. Uh, but through the use of Twitter, um, the social media outlets, uh, through that venue, they kept us up to date on when to expect things. And so, you know, I knew it was coming. I believe they were, went out at four, um, the accept or not accept emails. And I actually had to teach a uh, fitness class for kids. Uh, it was coming up on Thanksgiving and I usually taught them on Thursdays. And so I needed to move it class to a Friday because of Thanksgiving. And so I didn't know, I spent all day trying to decide if I should look or wait till I'm done teaching this class and then look, because if it was a no, how was I going to go in and, and be upbeat and positive and teach these, you know, kids and get through the class. And if it was a yes, oh my gosh, I would be out of my mind. So I really, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And I had some very close friends, you know, with me all the way five minutes left, one minute left, uh, just encouraging me. And I think I did, and I heard the beep on my phone, and I think I did uh, wait a few minutes. My whole family was home. They were all sitting on the couch, and I was pacing back and forth from the kitchen to the living room trying to decide what to do and looking at the clock, and now it's 4.05, and, you know, I have to be at the dance studio and at 5 to, to teach my little ones their fitness class, and, um, I finally sat down and decided to look, and luckily it, it was good news, and then uh, I didn't know what to do. I was out of my mind, and then, you know, pandemonium goes loose because people are calling and people are texting, and I had my best friend calling and my sister calling, and, um, you know, my husband's wanting to share in the moment with me, and my kids are jumping up and down, and they're excited, and especially my oldest two, they've been invested in this process with me from the beginning because I, I talked to them about it, and I told them what it was about, and they were a part of the videos, so they knew uh, what it meant and what it meant to me, and 
we had a dance party in the living room. <laughs> uh, and then I sat down on the steps uh, to put on my shoes so I could leave to go teach this class. And, of course, they were my Disney New Balance uh, 860V3s, the original pair that were released, the original minis. And my husband was standing in front of me, and I was sitting on the step tying my shoe, and I looked up at him, and I just thought, I have the greatest announcement photo idea. <laughs> so I grabbed the chair and put it by the steps instead of sitting on the step. The rail would have blocked it, and he just laughed uh -huh. at me, and he went along with it. He was invested at this process, too, because he had heard me, you know, for years, oh, oh, mom's panel, and I didn't make it, oh, I made it, oh, I got to do this video, and help me figure out a spreadsheet to create an itinerary, you know, just random things that had been asked throughout the years, and he'd been right there by my side the whole time, so he knelt down and put on the shoe. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how that came to be, and then I'm not even sure if I was able to post it before I... Uh, went to go teach my class and then after I tried to make sure I uh, connected with everyone that had reached out to me to congratulate me and, and, and thank them for the support or just thank them for, you know, congratulating me. And um, I think that took the whole rest of the night. I think I was up till midnight re trying to return every tweet and, <laughs> and comment on every post. <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was a wild day, the whole day, just wild. I'm sure. But it was beautiful and magical. <laughs> yeah. So that was that day before, after Thanksgiving 2013. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Okay. Yes, I believe wow. it was the Friday before Thanksgiving. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that picture. I, I very clearly remember that picture. Even now, we're, what, a year and a half a little over a year and a half after that, and I, I still remember when I saw that photo <laughs> and how, how excited you clearly were and how excited I was for you. I guess that, that was definitely a highlight, magical moment for sure. Yeah, and it turns out that we wear the same, basically the same shoes. Uh-huh. Do you like your New Balance? Yeah, Good. and not only the New Balance, the 860. Uh-huh, yes, that's a stability shoe, so it does offer a lot of additional stability if you have any pronation issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then they have the 890, and the 890 is more of a speed training shoe, so it's not necessarily the best shoe for support and stability. Right, right. So do you still wear the, the 860s? I do, I do. I don't necessarily run in them uh, any longer, but... They're my they're perfect shoe for theme park touring. Oh yeah, that's a great idea mm -hmm. too. Yeah. But I did run several races in them, both the eight sixties and the eight nineties. Nice. Now after you know six years, you finally have this dream come true and you're on the Disney Parks Moms panel. What's it like being one of the Disney moms, I guess you could call it. And for the sake of people who are listening, we should also clarify that the the moms panel is not just for moms; it could also be for dads. Correct. Um, grandparents. At first it was moms and yeah, grandparents. So that's now still what they call it, but it is open to a broader group. Correct. Uh, potentially. Yes, it's open to anyone 18 years or older. <laughs> oh, okay. Only stipulation <laughs> mentioned in the uh, application. Got it. And of course, having visited a Disney park within 12 months, but 
those are always always changing. You know, there were, the rules and requirements for submitting an application may change every year. Mm-hmm. So we'll wait and see in September. Yeah, so what we what we say now about what the requirements are and who it's open to and everything, that just happens to be what it was as of the last application. It Correct. could be different Correct. the next application in a couple of months. Absolutely, you've got that right. Always have to leave yourself open to, to things being subject to change. <laughs> right, yes, absolutely. So what's it like being one of the, the mom's panelists? Uh, you know, it's been my favorite race so far because – To be able to answer a guest question and to know that I may have possibly... That brings us to the end of this week's show. A special thank you to Faith Doherty for being my guest and to you for listening. Next time, we'll finish up with Faith, including some great running and run Disney tips, her advice to you for following your dreams, and more. I'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Audible.com the Internet's leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Choose from titles like my book, Faith in the Magic Kingdom, and you get a preview of these books, so you can go to mine and get a five-minute or so sample before you buy it to find out if you like it or not. You can pick that one or any of the 180,000-plus audiobooks as your free trial, and it's yours to keep whether you choose to continue your membership or not. To download your free audiobook today, go to storiesofthemagic.com slash audible. Again, that's storiesofthemagic.com slash audible for your free audiobook. If you're currently doing something because of your love for Disney, you've written a book, created a website, or you're blogging, writing, or performing music, art, or whatever it may be, and you want to tell people about it and why it matters to you, I want to hear from you. I also want to talk to you and hear from people who have worked for Disney. For that matter, I'd love to hear from more people on the Moms Panel. I've had two on so far. I would love to hear from you if you've been on the Moms Panel and you'd like to be a guest or even just share a special story or two. And if you're a Disney guest of any Disney experience and you've had an encounter or an interaction with a cast member that made some extra Disney magic or had any special Disney experience you want to share, I'd love to hear from you too. For any of these, email me at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call the listener feedback line at 734-23-STORY and tell me about your experience. Subscribe to Stories of the Magic in iTunes, the Xbox Music Store, on the website, or you can hear Stories of the Magic while on the go with Stitcher Smart Radio. If you like the show, please rate and review Stories of the Magic in iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or wherever else you listen to the show and can rate it. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, visit storiesofthemagic.com and leave a comment on the show notes for this or any episode. Maybe you'd like to wish Disneyland a happy anniversary, and you could do that in the show notes for this episode, and then I'll read that on the next episode. While you're there, you can check out the show notes for useful links, too. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash storiesofthemagic, another great place to wish Disneyland a happy 60th anniversary, by the way. Follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash storiesofmagic and tweet out that you're listening or pin it on Pinterest. Tell your friends about the show. Keep letting others know that you're listening so they can join in the magic too. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Stories of the Magic. There will be other days and other stories. And this tale continues next time. You've been listening to Stories of the Magic with Randy Crane. 
If you have feedback, want to share a story of your own, or even be a guest on the show, write to Randy at podcast at storiesofthemagic.com or call our listener feedback line, 734-23-STORY. And don't forget to visit the website, storiesofthemagic.com, for show notes from this and every episode and to leave your comments. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, live your dreams and make the magic in your world.